The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. Here is a question about someone who is having some uh, marital, or actually ex-marital difficulties. Uh, here's from Randy. Dear Dr. Kenner, could you tell me why my ex-wife still hates me and never misses an opportunity to make my life miserable after three years apart? We live in different states. We rarely see or speak to one another, and she has even remarried recently. Shouldn't she be past all of her issues with me by now? I was always good to her, and I have tried to be nice to her whenever we speak, but nothing changes her attitude towards me. This makes for a very problematic situation since we have three children, ages 9, 7, and 4. Uh, thanks, Randy. My first thought was, oh my God. I feel so sad for your three young kids because they were ages one, four, and six when you guys went through the divorce. So for their very early formative years, they have felt this tension, this chronic tension between their parents. And I'm wondering, you had three children fairly close in age. I'm wondering if a piece of the puzzle isn't that she was overwhelmed by the birth of a third child uh, and maybe she has some real negative feelings toward you your ex maybe you didn't share in the parenting or maybe you wanted to have sex at times when she didn't want to she was too busy diapering and burping and feeding and uh, folding clothes uh, that may not be the case that isn't in, in many cases uh, when when I've heard this type of a situation uh, because the demands of bringing up three young kids are pretty intense. Now, that may not be the case. You may have had some help. Um, but the one thing I'm hearing is the two of you did not do what is mandatory if you're going through a divorce and you have kids. And when I say mandatory, it's psychologically so healthy. It would give you both a breather. And that's to become parent partners. You're no longer marital partners. That bond breaks. But you want to figure out how to work relatively well uh, as parents together. And if you have not solved that problem, and it's going on three years, it may go on seven more years, 10 more years, I would recommend the book, even though you've already been through the divorce. There's a book uh, by Florence Bienenfeld, Helping Your Child Through Your Divorce, and she talks about how to become parent partners. So another word about your wife, another possible clue. She's angry. Something feels very unfair to her. What do you think are some of the possibilities as to why she is angry with you? Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad, and then Alan will be back. Romance. I wish I knew more about what girls want from a relationship. Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance, a serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Huh. The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. What do you think are some of the possibilities as to why she is angry with you? Anger is the emotion of saying, it's not fair. Randy was not fair to me, you being Randy. You know, why, why, why uh, he was so unjust to me? Now, what is she experiencing, not from your perspective, but from her perspective as uh, unfair? It could be that she's just dishonest. 
and she's just shifting the blame to you. It could be she's mistaken. Maybe she heard rumors about you that were baseless, and she wants nothing to do with you. Maybe there were rumors that you were cheating on her with many different women, and that was never the case. Maybe she heard it, but it never got resolved. Maybe she heard that you were an alcoholic, and that's not the case. Uh, I don't know what where that anger is coming from. And that's where you would need to actively listen to the actual words she says when she yells at you, when she gets angry with you. And you want to be honest with yourself. What is your role in the anger? This is a different aspect, Randy. You say to her, you know, I've always been good to her and I'm nice to her whenever we speak. Well, nice is sometimes not so nice. Meaning, if you did something that she experiences as grossly unjust, like never helping out with the kids, or maybe having had an affair, then no matter how gentle or cordial your words are now, or maybe even then, it may not mask her evaluation of you, or maybe you never got a job or something. So it won't help her change her evaluation of you if you sweet talk her now. Um, so when somebody who is nice to me, when they've actually hurt me and they've not properly addressed it, it feels phony to me. And I don't like to have that veneer of niceness and it's very hard for me to reciprocate. So that's when you need to get down to the key issue. Now it's really hard. She's recently remarried. The, she may not want to go into any therapy with you. Um, but you could you could try to find ways. Maybe you could get some individual therapy to find ways to see if she would open up and, and express what's wrong. And then you need active listening skills so you don't beat up on her. It could also be a habit. She could have rehearsed so many times how bad you were that she just says it out of habit. Um, or maybe she maybe she's remarried and she wants to make her current husband feel good and like you're not a threat. So she just keeps saying, oh, you were awful. You were really awful. So you can't control her you can certainly reach out to her um, and that doesn't mean you get angry with her but you can be factual with her and see if that helps her open up a point on that parent partners thing just a reminder you have an article that you wrote that's on the website Okay, my website's drkenner.com. I thank you for that. Here's a quick question. Um, I am friends with Maxine, a woman who has a preteen daughter, Julie, and she has um, serious medical problems um, and wants to take medical marijuana, and, and it isn't legal in her state. What does she do? Uh, does she violate her personal integrity? I think she needs to do a lot of thinking as to why she wants, to, why that might be the best reason, uh, why she wants to take the medical marijuana. Is it the only uh, thing that can help her, given that she has a daughter and given that she puts herself at risk since it's illegal, um, and what the effect on her daughter may be? And if she if she can learn better communicate better skills, uh, not communication, but pain management skills, that may help her tremendously. If not, maybe she can talk with her doctor. Maybe there's a way to get that help for herself. Um, with it being okay and not putting herself at risk. And here's a little more from Dr. Kenner. There's a big snake in the play, Jacques! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jacques! I hate them! Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? And that was from Indiana Jones. And if you remember that movie, maybe you don't, maybe you never saw it because it's an old, old movie now. Uh, but the fear of snakes scene is memorable. And do you have a fear of sma snakes? Or as I had as a child, I had a fear of spiders. I had a phobia against um, 
uh, having shots. If my doctor told me a year earlier that this is not your year for a shot, but next year is your year for a, a shot, little Ellen, I was, you know, a young kid, I would feel the pain in my arm already. I would imagine it and I would anticipate it on and off for that next year. Oh, I've got to get that darn shot this year. The whole year would be defined by this is my shot year. Now, once I became pregnant and my kids are now grown, but once I became pregnant, I decided I don't want to have a fear of shots. And you are given so many shots, so much blood is withdrawn that I forced myself to look at the blood being drawn uh, over and over and over again. And I felt enormous pride in being able to do so because I absolutely have no fear of shots. I also live in the woods, so I have no fear of spiders anymore. I can pick them up with my hands and uh, bring them outdoors if I want to, if they end up in the house or just, I don't have a fear. So how Didn't do you... did you kick the doctor once? Oh, okay, when... you don't have to bring that. Yes, I had to have blood work done. Uh, this, I think, was the tipping point. I had to, I, I needed blood work when you get married and you needed to get some blood work done uh, and I went in for the routine blood work, get this, this is embarrassing, to my pediatrician. And this was at the age of 20 or so. And he went to uh, draw blood for me. I didn't kick him that time, but I locked myself in the bathroom afraid to come out. And that was when I said, this is ridiculous. I am a grown adult. I want to get over this. And of course, once I got pregnant a few years later, I totally kicked the habit of uh, being phobic. And when I was a kid, I actually kicked him into the waiting room refusing to get a shot. And there's a history behind it. Um, I had had to have an operation and they said they were going to give me a shot in my butt, a big needle. And I screamed and yelled and boy, they gave me that shot. And I woke up in such pain because I took out my tonsils and adenoids that it, that was the beginning of my shot phobia. So it's fascinating to study your own phobias, to figure out the initial cause and to learn the wonderful, remarkable cognitive therapy skills to be able to talk in past tense about your phobia. You don't have it anymore. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and Dr. Edwin Locke. We've all had the experience of seeing people dressed in dumpy clothes with unattractive hairstyles. We may think, ah, oh, if only they made the most of their appearance, how nice they could look. If you've been to a high school reunion and seen what some formerly attractive classmates let happen to their looks, you may have recoiled in shock thinking, I can't believe they let themselves go like that. Try an experiment. Take a careful look at yourself in a mirror. If your ideal romantic partner were to meet you now, what would be his or her first impression? What would your posture, clothes, and grooming reveal about you? What sort of person would you like to attract? What changes in your appearance would make this more likely? You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy the book at amazon.com.